Welcome to episode 253 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man over in Oakland, California. He says he has a comforter on his bed. Russell and I disagree. It's Randy Michaelstadt. That's me. Uh, yeah, I can sleep anywhere, so I really don't um, have high standards for what my, my level of sleeping and uh, bedding situation is like. Now, Randy, I fly home. Uh, keep this on the DL. My mom should not... By the time my mom listens to this, it, the jig will be up. But she I doesn't have, listen, does she? No, I tell her not to. Uh, by that, I'm flying home to surprise her for her 60th birthday, which I have been planning with my sister, which I love my sister to the moon and back. To the moon. I I, I hate planning things with her. It's Big driving boy. me crazy. <laughs> but regardless... Um, it's not her. It's me. I'm, I'm very. I'm just a, a horrible person. But I've. It's a red eye, and so when I get off the plane, I gotta hang out with the kids until five o'clock. Then at five o'clock, I gotta surprise my mom, and then I won't sleep for. I have no idea how long. So, Brett, give me some tips on how to sleep on this plane, brother. Um, put on noise canceling headphones, but don't actually put on any music, and just zone out. Just turn your brain off. You just got to go to sleep. Dude, do you remember um, our, what, forever friend, Chris Bovoda? Yes. When he was talking about wearing the noise-canceling headphones no. and how they instantly made him puke on the plane. Really? Yeah. He said it was something about his equilibrium. Oh, man. He, he would turn them on, and he thought, because you know he also had problems sleeping, he had them on the plane, and they got in the air, and he just puked, like wouldn't stop, Jesus. turned them off. And then he went on another flight and was, you know, didn't wear them. He was fine. And then he put them on. He said the minute he flipped them on, he puked again. Like it would, huh. it would just make his body like reject whatever was in his stomach. Well, I don't have to worry about that because I'm not rich enough to afford noise canceling <laughs> headphones because I'm not rolling in bitcoins. I don't know. Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's been big. having like a bad week. So <laughs> I don't actually know. I haven't checked in a couple of days. Also joining us is Russell John, the Fisherman. What up? How are we? I'm good. I just read another dumb article. I I, I had a question for you guys. I have an answer. Same. Now, I you know I don't know why metalheads like they identify as that. I'm out. Have been one forever. But you know other fans like country heads. I don't know Randy. Um, post rock indie I'm head. Sorry, country sure. head. Yeah. So I don't know. I keep. We're re- called Americans, brother. <laughs> There are, there are articles all the time published that are kind of like things we learned about metalheads, and they're always like positive. Like I'm sure people you've read, um, oh, plants listening to music, and they always do better with metal, and like classicals always like right behind. They always do worse with metal. No, it's always it's Incorrect. always positive. No, and I just read another one. Mm. It was twelve things we found out about metalheads. And it's like, they're happier people. And it talks about dealing with aggression. Another one is like, um, I don't know. It's all positive shit. Well, one of them was they're more likely to have sex in a car. Hell yeah. Which I thought was strange. But do you, are, do articles come out about like, oh, things we learned about people who listen to country? No, because that's everyone in America. Okay. So it, maybe it is like a majority minority. You do understand thing. it's the most popular genre in the, these states united. Oh, yeah. For sure. But I, I mean, Which it could be anything. not a positive thing because modern country music is the worst thing in the history of the world. Well, what about like jazz? What about It's jazz? like things we know about people who like jazz. Yeah, they like fedoras and dusty <laughs> closets. 
Yeah, I don't know. I've been good, though. I'm Again, we've been talking about this since I got home. Again, it's a Friday, and we're recording because you scheduled a surprise party that threw everything off. Well, the problem with, is, is that I did not account for uh, the terrible, terrible internet access that my mother has. And I didn't want to experience that. <laughs> no, I get it. We bumped a guest. We're recording after work. It's it's great. Yeah, we're having a, actually, honestly, I'm very excited to be doing this on a Friday night. As the minute we're done here, I have an open weekend where normally I carry some anxiety about the show and our guest. And I don't. What, did we figure out the guest thing? I kind of. You know what I'm lobbying for. I would love to see an interview with you and your nephew. I'm working on that. All right. Because we talk about him a lot. I like the kid. He's going to be in baseball camp, though. I'm rooting for him. And I know that you're going to be stuck hanging out with him for a while. So good opportunity there. Anyway, again, I have a lot of FOMO because uh, my favorite late night host called it a raps for good this time. Craig Kilborn? And yes. (laughs) And Conan's done. And you know what? I, I feel bad. Because I don't think I watched one episode of his show with Andy Richter back. And I mean it. Like when I was in high school. You didn't watch any TBS? I didn't watch any of it. It was good. I love him. And I mean, I've watched the YouTube clips with you that have millions of views. Like, honestly, is he just pivoting into other platforms or? He's going HBO. Oh, he really is going HBO. Yeah. And he's got a podcast. Yeah, but fuck that. I can't do a podcast. The podcast is. Why would you do that? He's a late night host. You can watch video the, with him. Half of the podcast is commercials. Really? It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, Randy, no. confirm. It's quite a bit. Yeah. Thank you so much. What? I'm done. Did you want more from me? Yeah. What What was that? <laughs> what just, just happened? Like, <laughs> I, was, I was signaling I was turning on her mic. And I, we do sign language impromptu and I don't know. We were, I don't know what just happened. We were in the middle of a conversation and then you were just like, "Mm, mm, ha, I'm done. Yeah. What? Pretty much. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. No, uh, Conan. um, Yeah. Last night I watched a little bit. I didn't watch the whole episode, but I watched a couple of clips on YouTube. Um, Jack Black was the last guest. Uh, Jack Black had a great. Now, what happened is that. Again, I, since I didn't see the entire episode, I think they were shooting something with Jack Black where it required him to run, and he did several takes, and on the last take, he sprained his ankle. So when he came on stage, he had a boot on and a cane, which I f- just feel like Jack Black should always have a cane. It just <laughs> seems natural. Um, it's a prop. You know, he can work with it. He looked natural with it. Yeah. yeah. Very. And um, then he, he did a a version of Frank Sinatra's My Way, but with uh, specialized lyrics uh, played by the Basic Cable Band, and it was great. Yeah, I didn't stick around for that. I may or may not uh, tear it up a little bit. I did too, and that's why I almost pulled the clip. He he gives an authentic I love you to Conan. Yeah. And it kind of like throws him off, and he says it back, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to use that. Yeah. But again, I'm trying, trying not to take up a, a long amount of time. As last week, you did a great segment. And it clocked in around ten minutes when we uh, when you listen to it back, and then what what did mine clock in at? About twelve, like a half hour. About twelve. Okay, that's not too bad. I really thought I might have doubled yours. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm bummed about Conan, but I it's mostly just guilt because I didn't really support it. Yeah, the TBS endeavor. I, you know, it might just be an age thing too. 
because I feel like uh, the millennial group that he really touched on, because my parents were never a fan, and I always tried to get them on board because they would watch other late night shows. I'm like, why don't you watch Conan? I actually like that one. Never worked with them. So uh, another podcast I was listening to today, uh, which I will not mention because I don't plug other podcasts on this show, but the former writer of uh, Conan, who was their guest, and um, he was talking about how the audiences have changed over the years. Um, and the host of this program actually used to do uh, warm-up uh, for Conan and uh, audience warm-up, where essentially, uh, for people who don't know, when you go to a taping, um, typically there's a person there who is in charge of Uh, getting the crowd uh, energized before the show and in between commercial breaks. Um, Typically it is a stand-up comedian or sometimes it's just a person throwing out Uh, (laughs) t-shirts. One of those things. Um, But regardless, he was just talking about how the audiences have changed in like so much where they had a sketch uh, several years ago where, um, you know, Conan was big with the audience pop-ins. Like it would just be, he would have, you know, plants in the audience and yeah. sometimes celebrities, but it, it would always be you know, a lot of gags in the audience. And there was one where um, something happened with a drummer. The, dr- the the main drummer on the show wasn't there. And then someone popped up and said, I, I used to, I'm a drummer and it was Max Weinberg mm-hmm. and the audience and the audience's reaction was like, who? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I would have flipped out. I love Max Weinberg. Oh, me too. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a millennial thing. It's attention and the internet. I think it's just like ruined that format, at least for him, because that was like, like, dude, I watch YouTube and yeah. I, I've seen him on there. Never once watched his TBS show. So actually, maybe it's just a cable thing, like yeah. how we take it in. Yeah, he'd probably do better if he just had a show on Amazon Prime. I hope all his stuff uh, stays on up on YouTube. Oh, I'm sure there somebody's making money off of it. I don't think it's going to go away. Yeah, hope. Hope not. Or somebody will rip it, as is the internet. It will never go away now. For a while, he couldn't have his uh, NBC stuff. Oh. I think that got worked out. Um, but there were, but for a while on TBS, he couldn't do the characters that he had on that show because it was property of NBC. Oh. So they couldn't do Masturbating Bear. They couldn't do... It's a good one. Um, the Interrupter, who was my yeah, favorite. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. R.I.P. I guess not, though, because he's going to HBO. Yeah, but I, I don't know what that show is. Oh, okay. I thought I thought it was going to be another late night thing, but probably not. I then. don't think so. All right. The, the, no details have been given, really, from what I can tell. Uh, except one uh, TMZ asked him what the new HBO show would be, and he said a, a naked cooking show. Rad. <laughs> All right. Is it time? For... The guest. <laughs> of, you from, keep going from TBS to. Oh no, no no no! We we still have a guest. Also, I don't know. Are we going to intro Oksana? Also joining us as Oksana Valerian of Osachi. I am here still. <laughs> All right, and now she's gone. <laughs> All right, good enough. Then I guess it is time for our uh, for our official show to start. With our guest, who does that now, who you, whom you also forgot about. Oh, I did. Yeah, well, he's here again. So, sorry, here we go. Sorry, DL. Mike's all yours. Good morning. It's June 25, 2021, evening. 
And if you can believe it, it's a Friday once again. Today, I'm thinking about Lou Reed and his version of This Magic Moment. Everyone, have a great day. All right. He's gone. Head trauma. And it is a Friday. No doubt in my mind. Head trauma. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. I guess it's time for the TBR report. The TBR report. Now, um, you know, does he... Now, Thomas Burke, he always writes an email. Thomas Burke, again, is the uh, found footage adventurer who will keep me on track watching found footage horror movies that I never... Actually, not this week. We're doing a um, a sci-fi edition. And uh, oh, I need yeah. to read through this because I should have done sci-fi more work. Sucks, dude. Nope. All right. So Thomas Burke, in his uh, email, writes, This recommendation comes as a complete 180 to last week's recommendation of Voodoo, as I bring to you a science fiction mockumentary called Alistair 1918 from 2015. A World War I soldier accidentally time travels to present-day Los Angeles. Filthy, penniless, and with no way to prove his identity, he struggles to find his way back to his wife in the year 1918. Now, this is Thomas again. When we talked this week, and you mentioned that you're totally okay with receiving something that was perhaps slow, challenging, and maybe even a little boring, I say this. It might be the most boring best movie I've ever seen. It's essentially a slow-burning, heart-string, thought-provoking sci-fi flick. So for the listener's consideration, it's not anything action-packed, and it really isn't high-budget either. But to me, I felt like there was really something hidden here. Plus, it gives me vibes similar to Skyman. So if you enjoyed that one, please don't sleep on Alistair 1918, available on Amazon Prime. Uh All the best, Thomas Burke. From the Thomas Burke Report Report, TBR, LLC, MD, not a medical doctor. I will tell you. Okay, so uh, later on, I'll be covering uh, Super Shangri-La, which we watched on Wednesday. And we hung out after. Uh, It was a lot of fun on the street out there in Balboa. But I came home and immediately threw on this film because I knew we didn't have a lot of time and I really wanted to get the TBR reported. Randy, this is about an 11 p, p-, p- past 11. P- <laughs> Excuse me? Up a poo. Now it was late. And I'm like, of course, this is going to be the one where I was like, dude, Tom, they don't all have to be bangers. They don't all have to be insane. Give me something a little uh, challenging or thought provoking or boring. And of course he, he really ran with the boring. So through it, actually, the past couple of films I had to rent and you know, there's always the option of to buy with these movies and it's like maybe double the price. So like a $2 rental will be like a $5 purchase. This one I believe was what two ninety nine to rent and twelve ninety nine to buy. And mm. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking buy it. So we bought it. You bought it. I bought it. And I'm like, I know this is the boring one and I'm like, let's just do it. I pulled the trigger. So, Oh man. Now the synopsis, This film starts with a typical faux documentary crew. We have a girl who's going to be on screen and directing. And we have uh, her crew, which is a boom mic dude and camera dude. And they're doing a film on homeless. And it's like, okay, that's pretty timely, even though this came out in 2015. And they're just kind of walking around getting interviews on the street. I will say the interviews uh, they get are a little bit different than they would be now, I'm sure. As the uh, homeless epidemic has definitely 
gone much further in the conversation farther. But quickly, um, we kind of like moved from the street into Griffith Park in L.A., which I'm not familiar with. Randy, have you been there? Uh, once or twice, yeah. Okay, I, I always think of you whenever I think of like uh, films that kind of like love L.A. like this, like they sure. wander around and go to location. I'm like, I wonder if Randy's been here. So they go to Griffith Park where um, they see a homeless man in a uh, war fatigue and they start talking to him. And it, this dude claims to have uh, fought in a war. He was in an explosion that timed with another explosion in which he fell out of the sky and landed on a shipping container uh, in the year 2015. In the year 2015. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's funny because the acting in this movie is pretty good. It feels like they're kind of doing a loose script thing, like they're finding um, the story or maybe like dialogue isn't scripted. This dude, though, pops in the scene. He's got his war fatigue on which are he looks dirty and i'll tell you one of the problems i have with like homeless people being represented in movies or just like i don't know scary southerners who live in a trailer they never look authentically dirty like you know when somebody like puts a little bit of dirt on your face you can tell when it's for a fucking movie this guy looked dirty he did not look like he had been in an explosion though Mm. he looked like he was wearing a rented fatigue like it looked perfect just dirty he does not look like he's been in an explosion well that that's where he uh entered the wormhole was he was in a uh something detonated i understand but have you ever been in an explosion a f- fair point <laughs> touche <laughs> i just imagine that maybe his clothes would be a little torn or like maybe a little burnt i mean look on this very show we talked about the same thing uh, with the film uh my heart will only beat unless you tell it to and where we were talking about the amount of blood coming out of a human body. Oh, and that's we, true. We were corrected by the filmmaker himself, who told us that he did the research, and that's about the fair point of blood. So, so what you're saying is, I should be in an explosion before I comment on the verse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. Okay, <laughs> please die. <laughs> okay. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll be thrown through a wormhole. Actually, well, I'd work through. So this is a sci-fi feature. It's mostly a drama. With like a, a sci-fi uh, tilt to it. Um, I mean, okay. So what am I looking for in a faux documentary? I normally like elements of um, the film crew are the bad guy. And I think one of the best examples would be um, Long Pigs. Yes. Where you really learn like at a certain point, the documentary crew, or even in Man Bites Dog. Man Bites Dog, very they, similar. They become like part of the problem. Complicit. And you might even say they're egging it on. Like they're getting a more brutal performance out of an already uh, dark character because they're acting for the camera. And in this film, it's not that at all. Uh, our, the dude we run into, uh, whose real name is Guy Burt Whistle. Now, I, apparently he's the star and he wrote this script too. And uh, the faux documentary filmmaker, um, Annie McVeigh, she's the actual director too. So... That always changes the film a little bit. The thing is, this movie is really like, a, it felt like a play. Like, the way the characters were written and the things that happened felt like they should be very emotionally impactful. Except that the f- when we're dealing with like a handheld camera, it always kind of leans into um, action. You know, that unstable, like, we're not on a tripod feel. And tonally, it, it kind of felt real in a in a boring way. And it was interesting because you you hear this dude who's instantly like charming. 
Like you like this homeless guy. And even though his story just seems like ludicrous, you're kind of interested when he's showing him how he's been living off of squirrels. Yeah. He's been catching them in a cooler and they're like, well, do you cook them? And he's like, of course I cook them. That's good eating, dude. So he, he walks him over to a nearby camp and he shows how he like gets charcoal and lights a, a barbecue. How's he killing the squirrels? He, they didn't get into that. Boo. That's a good. Yeah, that's interesting because that would be a, a character flaw. Maybe, man, you got. Yeah, how's he kill these squirrels? Dude? They do. They show his trap. He makes a trap out of a cooler. Yeah, the cooler they get to. And I mean, I imagine they would suffocate in there. It seemed pretty like okay. the audio was good there. Like that lid closes and you, you feel it anyway. I. It's this is a weird film to talk about. Now I mentioned he he went into a wormhole. Yeah. So by the, I don't even what know. What is the difference between a wormhole and a black hole? I believe a black hole is you know uh, your favorite film two thousand one. Mm-hmm. The idea of like nothing being in the center of it. It's kind of like a drain to the universe. Where I think a wormhole is kind of what uh, we're hoping for. A portal. Yeah, where it's kind of like a bend in time so that you could travel quicker without actually doing the light speed travel. That yeah, I'll take the black hole. Okay. <laughs> so in this movie, we kind of get into the how could this be real? And the way that we do. Well, first, I should mention that our uh, the filmmaker here, the lead, the female seems to be extra interested in our subject. And she starts buying him stuff like in a horny way. Y- you get that vibe. By the end of the movie, you might not think so mm. when it's revealed that she just broke up with her girlfriend. It's a little complicated. I'll tell you, the hallmark of this movie Curls are bisexual. could be a hallmark movie. And it's really just a drama that's paced like real life. At no point in this movie is there anything on the um, exterior that's really like pushing this plot forward. It kind of feels like, hey, this guy's homeless and we'd like to help him. But I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. And it feels like the passage of time is kind of like real life. He's he's chilling at the um, shipping container where he landed because he thinks maybe one day it will open back up. So there's really like no rush. And you kind of you just really get that voyeurism. That's that's, you know, when you're aware of it, it can really change the mood of a movie like this film starts to turn into. Are they exploiting this dude like you know, she invites him over to her house and is like, hey, you can sleep on my couch and I'll help you. And he's kind of got the attitude of like, I'm not looking for your help. I just want to get my wife. So when that becomes like painfully clear and he's just like, look, stop giving me shit. I need to get home. They go on YouTube and they find a scientist who's been covering wormholes. Now, I, I can't remember which TBR it was, but we uh, praised the film for having a great news anchor. Like it was one of the best parts of the movie. It was very good. Great news anchor. Uh, This one. No, 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 no. She's awful. (laughs) And she's talking about wormholes and you can tell it's important to the plot. But when they get to like, how does the wormhole work? They fucking yada, yada, yada that shit multiple times in the third act of this movie. And instead of offering any like verbal context or like explanation, she just walks around with a ton of equipment. So she'll be wheeling like a suitcase with her that's supposed to have stuff. Like at one point they try to open a wormhole and she pulls out two like phantasm balls that are on like little <laughs> placards. Yeah. And uh, there's some CG that happens, which is startling in the third act of that movie. But if you're coming into this looking for a great sci-fi um, narrative, you're, you're not going to get it. I'll tell you the thing I loved most about this 
is it's a thing that I don't talk about a lot on this show, but I firmly believe in. And it's that, you know, people from a hundred years ago, they weren't any stupider than you and me. And I feel like a lot of, um, you know, the modern man, there's a presentism there. And we always think like people back in the day were just dumber. And there's a moment in this movie that I love and I'll always remember. And, uh, you know, our filmmaker, she buys him a phone and she's like, this is so I can get in contact with you. And she gives him a camera so he can document himself in the third act of this movie, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. And when the boom guy really likes our lead and he's like, aren't you amazed at cell phones? And the guy's like, no, he's like, we had telephones in, you know, 1918. He's like, yeah, man, but there's no wires on this one. He's like, yeah, we also had radios. And he's just like, he's like, don't call me stupid. And I don't know why I fucking love that moment. Also, there's a uh, great little montage where the dude takes the camera and documents himself as he uh, quiets his depression by going to a bar. And I don't know why. It, dude, it's so good. Does that work? Uh, I don't think so. And it didn't for him in the movie. But um, Randy, there's one moment that I think you would dig where they're going around L.A. and they find a flea market. And you can tell it's just these people. Like, if we're going to compare it to, like, Fat Tuesday, where we have a, like, pro in jorge torres torres navigating a crowd Mm -hmm. and filming the narrative this film is some it's theater people walking around in public and the first thing you see because they come down some stairs and they make a right into like the uh the lane of all the um little merchant tents the first thing you see is people walking right at the camera staring into it (laughs) and it's very like as an audience member you feel that and you're like, oh shit! Like the, the they're really doing this right now. Yeah. And the the lead start he starts playing kickball with the kid, and it's like all that stuff you feel like is just like privileged, but they're kind of like acting through it. I don't know. This movie's great. I don't know if I would ever recommend it to anybody though. It's there's so much content out there right now that you'd really want to examine like the form of documentary and maybe like theater to film and just like navigating that stuff. Like other than research, I I don't know that I would ever recommend this to anybody. Is it the best boring movie you've ever seen? You know, I, I was trying to like come to grips with that mentally. Like what, what could that mean? Spotlight. Well, I think it's, it's kind of like, right, um, Randy. I don't know if I'd call it boring, but. It's boring. <laughs> well, Randy loves French New Wave. And, you know, one of the things about the French New Wave was how it could embody, like, real life. Like, the way real life feels as opposed to, like, studio. Hollywood. Also watched Satan Tango in a theater. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, I can, I, I can, I'm good with boring is what I'm saying. Um, everyone at this table, uh, this will not, this, uh, I have breaking news. Uh, the... Severin uh, sale is up now. All right. <laughs> when this goes up, they'll not Just be. I so know it's live. All right, cool. Are you going to order anything right so, now? Yeah, I'm getting some Al Adamson, dude. All right, I could see you navigating your computer and your glasses the whole time. <laughs> so, well, it, it's I'm I'm doing research. Okay. <laughs> Plus, this is show related. So, as we promoted this as, last week, as far as boring, I mean, so. Y- Y'all make fun of me for how I rate movies on um, Letterboxd as as far as entertainment value. 
Now this movie kind of throws a curveball in there and uh, it's not fun, but it's also like, it's interesting still. Yeah. I don't know if I would call it like entertaining. This is probably, this would be a three. And I don't know if that checks out with my entertainment scale or not. Um, what would you think about Oxana? I know you, you fell asleep through the third act, but it did. Um, I, I mean, it had, and the story is really good and the acting is like mm, sometimes like lukewarm for who, for who didn't you like in the movie i thought the the um, boom guy's a little rough yeah like the secondary characters get like f- they feel like theater actors but like i mean the guy who played Al- alistair was great yeah the whole time um yeah that's guy burt whistle and he's a director no he's the writer and the star oh okay the uh the actual um head of the documentary is the actual director yeah who in you know in her day job I, she directs theater too so i think three is like fitting for this movie yeah okay yeah so i'm gonna give it a three as as far i don't know if anybody's been following along with these tbr reports but if you're into found footage and like the in-world camera format this might be an interesting one to check out don't put it on the top of your list. You know, go watch Voodoo first and, you know, see what it's like to explore a house like a haunt and then transition into hell and then watch um, Conan, Painted Red, Rape a Woman, and then come around here. And his his um, relation to Skyman, or Star, yeah, Skyman, is, is spot on. It's really got that kind of like real life pacing and uh, a lot of heart. But if you don't give a shit about the characters, or if you're like on your phone throughout the movie, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think you you'd probably. Oh, I don't like sci-fi, dude. I don't. It's 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 tangentially sci-fi. It's really not. It's not what the movie wants to do. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know, Oksana. Would you recommend it to Clark? Yeah, I think so. It's more. I think it's more drama than sci-fi are there tits clark would have to be in the right mood if you came into it in the right mood you would dig it if you came into it in kind of like a i don't know a short attention span mood you'd fucking hate That's this movie 98 <laughs> percent. i know the stars would have to align um anyway uh thomas burke love you uh oksana what's his letterbox again the movie archive Movie archive, go on there. He's got over 500 films. A lot of them have links to them too. So if you want to check them out, again, uh, if you want to know why this movie's called Alistair 1918, you're gonna have to check it out. It, it's got one of those titular drops where you're like, you're Alistair either, Crowley. You're like, it, that would be fair. Nobody even mentions that in the movie. Actually, really? I thought they might have taken a religious turn at some point, but oh. I should also mention this film has the worst fake zoom calls I've ever seen in a movie. Honestly, well, zoom wasn't around then. So they were fake Skype, but like, dude, they didn't even use a computer involved there. They would cut angles. It was terrible. Don't know why I felt the need to end on that, but uh, (laughs) that's going to conclude the the, the TBR report. This concludes the I really like that outro. It's pretty good. All right. What would you end up buying, Clark? All right. I've got I've got my cart here. Now, who knows what's going to make the cut?
You understand? Yeah, the cart doesn't mean the cut. It's exactly. Uh, masturbating gunman. All right. Because I'm trying to be a good steward. There you go. Now, a movie that I meant to, I, I've been wanting to order from here for a while. Cruel Jaws. Yeah, good one. Very much want to get yep. Cruel Jaws. Also. Good summer movie. They have a Cruel Jaws bandana. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> come on. <laughs> now, also, the only Al Adamson movie uh, that looks like I could get is Brain of Blood. Oh, you better pull the trigger. Remember, they lost. All of them went last time. So, yeah. And then um, Family Portraits, a trilogy of America. Rad. Do you know that one? No. I like the name, though. Okay. It sounds found footage. I wasn't going to ask because I know it's probably not. I was. I rewatched a couple of the uh, Severn Sellers after we talked to to Zach last week, and then um, I did not know Simon Barrett was on the. I think he was the last oh. one. I, I missed that one, so I watched him. He was good, uh, but then they had a director Douglas Buck who was on, and he was talking about his film Family Portraits, and now it's fifteen dollars. So uh, bam, yeah. do it. I'm down to check it out. It's still looking, but um, yeah, it's live now, but a couple hours early, so. Want to get that out? So we get we got to wrap this up so I can go order shit. <laughs> we can we can take a uh, you want to take a break? No. <laughs> All right, Randy, what you yes, got, sir? Back? Yes, I've been watching uh, a couple things from the Chattanooga Film Festival, which started yesterday as of uh, recording. Um, yeah, first how's thing, that going? Uh, it's good. It's pretty. Now, how's the setup? Is it the same or different? Because last year it was more like a VOD situation, but uh, what is it this year? It's pretty similar to last year. There's not as much like, um, you know how they were kind of like in a studio and had like all the like kind of fun like intros and stuff. Uh, there's a little bit less of that. Um, they've been doing some like live events, um, none of which I've been able to attend yet. So I haven't really seen what those are like. But um, yeah, the like layout for watching movies is is pretty the, pretty much the same. Hell yeah. Man, all right. So this goes on till when? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not 100% sure. When's the 29th? Tuesday? Of course. Of course, the exact same time of my trip home. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Man. You know, honestly, since you're going to be gone. But the passes are like 70 bucks. Yeah. It just wouldn't be worth it for me. What do you, you want to do, Oksana? You want to watch it Sunday? I know we're, Hell yeah. Okay. We're not doing anything podcast I know, we're not related. recording, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Damn. Get Randy yeah, over of, here with some six packs or whatever damn <laughs> you trying to get him to take his shirt off <laughs> am i getting am i getting I movie cut again right now <laughs> <laughs> no we could we could zoom you in or something i, I don't want I, I can't he's do he's got it. bad internet just can't oh man no hot spot dude hot spots are let me tell you something not so hot <laughs> no, not they're so not hot good spot. <laughs> speaking of hot spots i watched a movie called the carnivores uh, that's playing at Chattanooga, uh, directed by Caleb Michael Johnson. I'm going to read the uh, plot description, then I'll, I'll go on a little bit after that. Thank you. Alice and Brett's dog Harvey is dying, and he's ruining everything. What had been a bright little family is quickly getting consumed by clouds of self-doubt, suspicion, and a disturbing amount of ground beef. Uh, so this movie features Lindsay Burge, who's from uh, The Midnight Swim and The Invitation... And a bunch Ooh. of other things. I like her a lot. Um, and then Tally. Does she like you? Is she, what? Does she like you? <laughs> no. 
Nobody likes do you me. Like, do you like like her? No, she's a good actor. I like when do she appears in things. Me? Do you want to be my friend? If you do. That's a song from, uh, it's called <laughs> Check Yes or No. <laughs> Check Yes or No. It was about a young schoolboy get, uh, getting a note from a young schoolgirl saying, do you like me? Do you want to be my friend? Check yes or no. Just for friend? But they're like in the second grade. <laughs> okay. I thought that's the era of like, like. Like, like? Yeah. Second grade? I don't know, dude. My first girlfriend was in fourth grade. Ooh. How old was she? 72 years old. <laughs> <laughs> also, Randy, I pulled up the carnivores while you were talking, and yeah. both me and Clark saw the poster and went, yep, that's why. <laughs> like, it just has that art house. Randy, look I believe this movie is out. I think it is now. Yeah, I believe it's out to rent on VOD and stuff already. Because I have seen, I, I have almost rented this actual movie. Oh, nice. Um, like, it's oh, it's really like good. Me. It's my favorite thing. I've only seen four films from Chattanooga so far, but so far this is my favorite. It's a lot of film. <laughs> yeah. It just started yesterday. Yeah. I don't know. I watched yeah. like, you know, everything almost feature-wise from last year. So I got I got some catching up to do. How many features I got this year, Beb? I don't know. 25? Oh, goodness. That, Maybe. That's dumb. I may, I may not have actually counted, but um, yeah, the carnivores <laughs> is is really good. Um, the two main uh, actresses are are very solid. Um, it's basically like a relationship movie. Um, so yeah, Lindsay Berger's character, her dog is is dying, and um, her and her girlfriend uh, live together. You could tell they've had quite a long relationship. Um, but the fact that the dog is like taking up so much of uh, Brett is Lindsay Berger's character is taking up so much of her time and kind of like her attention uh alice kind of starts to like not freak out but kind of get stressed out about it and she has these um she starts sleepwalking at night and then she has this weird um thirst for um meat they're both vegan and then so yeah she keeps um going to like a supermarket at night and then like just staring at meat in like the grocery store um, and then it kind of foreshadows potentially something that might happen with um, the dog that's kind of getting in between the two of them. Um, I won't say too much more, but uh, yeah, it's like an hour and 17 minutes long. Um, yeah, it's, it's shot really well. It's shot in Austin. I think it was supposed to play or supposed to premiere at South by uh, last year before it got shut down. Um, and yeah, it, it looks really good. It's very much like a, you know, there's no like, cg there's no like no frills really it's um just a really good looking uh indie movie you know they it everything's shot really well um lit really well and um yeah it's got it's got a good amount of style and yeah the actors are are really good and uh yeah i like the story and by the end it was uh it was it was good i liked the ending it was um satisfied with it it sounds like a three and a half <laughs> it's a solid three and a half yeah it's not mind-blowing but it's it's really good now I, I would watch it again. If we use Raw as a reference point, is it more horror than Raw or like more art house? It's more indie than Raw. Yeah, it Okay. I was I thought maybe they were gonna go a little more into the like meat thing, uh, which they don't go too far into it. Um so yeah, it's because I was thinking kind of, of like the raw comparison like before I watched it, just from watching the trailer. 
and it doesn't really go too deep into that. It's more of like a relationship movie. Is it like body horror at all? Um, no, not really. Okay. I'm just, I'm interested with that. Like, I don't know what the, the theme is with these movies about like vegetarian or vegan people kind of like being reintroduced to meat. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I'm, I'm interested. You sold me, Randy. Yeah. It is weird that that has kind of come up. Yeah. A lot more lately. I don't know. Maybe just, you know, more people are, are vegan these days. So I don't know. It just, just happens. <laughs> or more people are mad at vegans. Yeah, maybe. Uh, besides that, the second thing I watched, I just finished earlier today. Uh, it's called Alien on Stage. Do uh, any of you hear about this? Oh, hell yeah. We've talked about it on this very show. In the intro, you weren't a part of it. That will give you the slip. Oh, nice. Uh, I always listen to the intro. What are you talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but basically it's uh, about these um, these people that are all bus drivers from um england over there they uh decide to do a stage um performance of the movie alien and it's very um you know raw and very just like put together very diy um yeah it's a very like feel-good documentary um i really enjoyed it that's it (laughs) yeah i don't know you guys talked about it i don't know how much you've talked about it or how much you've seen we haven't seen it yeah none of us watched it i think charlie brought it up oh okay yeah which means i was definitely there and i definitely heard what he said (laughs) i brought it up i think because it was it was screening somewhere else but i thought it was a short oh so sf doc fest no i did this during the intro too she brought it up and i it looked charlie talked about a high school production Oh, that's really? what that was. Yeah. Now these are that like nothing to do. all adults. So yeah, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like Randy a Ch- group of people that are all bus drivers. And I think they just know people from like the bus driving company. Uh, and that's they spent right. like a year creating like very like good looking props, um, and stuff that they just kind of like cobbled together. Um, and then, yeah. So the like first half of the documentary, maybe the first like three quarters kind of shows them like, putting everything together and like doing rehearsals and uh you kind of think that it's maybe not going to go well like it seems like people aren't 100 percent remembering their lines and it's just kind of like a kind of like goofy like group of people um and then the like last half or the last like fourth of the movie um you get a lot of footage of the actual uh play that that they do um and it it goes off really well and people in the crowd seemed to love it. And apparently they were welcomed back to do um, the same show like for the next year and like the year after that and something. So it's good. Now, why Alien? They just love the movie Alien. And they were like, we're just going to give this a shot. We we're, we like theater and we like Alien. So we're just going to do a rendition of Alien on stage. Now, how did the, the Xenomorph come off? It's good. You know, you can tell everything is very... Um, you know, you can kind of see the string, like they do like a chest burster scene and you could definitely see like the string that's like pulling it out of the like fake chest. But I don't know. It's very charming. Yeah. Right. You were sitting there going fake. (laughs) I could see it definitely being fun. Um, being in the crowd for sure. I like how you called them like a, a goofy group of people. I would say quirky, Randy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mean goofy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, goofy in the like best way possible. Yeah, One of them looks like Louis C.K. I, <laughs> dude, I totally agree. 
<laughs> Look at that guy. <laughs> he looks like he's about to masturbate in that corner right there. He's even got like his body language. Yeah. He's like, Ooh, that hair off now. <laughs> there are plenty of women cowering around him, dude. All right. All right. Randy, anything else, Beth? No, I was going to try to watch the new Abel Ferrara film before our show this week, but yeah, it's called Siberia. It's got Willem Dafoe again, so I'll try to watch that before next week. Oh, I can't wait. Hell of a tease there. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. (laughs) All right. You still over there shopping? I'm checking out, actually. All right. What, what, What actually made it? All right, hold on. I think everything I told you. Nothing sold out in that amount of time? Mm-mm. Well, I'm finding out now. All right. I remember last year, uh, the website just crashed right out the gate. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It, was a, it, no it was a nightmare. It was a mess. Of and course. I, I feel bad for them because, you know, the internet with, uh, you can say a lot. You feel emboldened when you um, are not talking to somebody right in their face. And people, they took every opportunity to punch and uh, it was very ugly, and I apologize for all of them, Severn. All right. I have officially checked out. You got everything? I got The Masturbating Gundam, Cruel Jaws, Cruel Jaws, Sharkmania Bandana, <laughs> Brain of Blood, Family Portraits. Whatever Brad, happened I to uh, have... Moose Jaws? Is that a thing still? Uh, hopefully it's... <laughs> I hope not. It's dead on the I would watch girl. it. I have no interest in watching it, but I would watch it. I don't know how that is. Um, I did have uh, St. Bernard in there, but I realized you guys had it. So Yeah, I was, like, eh. yeah, I was just thinking that now with Cruel Jaws. I'm like, well, if you own it, am I going to buy it? I'll watch it. I know, but I collect these things. I mean, it didn't have like a cool slipcover or anything. I know. St. Bernard did. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Would I like that? Uh, yeah, you dig it. Yeah, I told you when I when I covered it on here. I think that's a movie made for you. It's fucking nuts. It's great. I should get it. Maybe I'll get it now. Um, I last night I got man, I had some problems. I couldn't decide on what I spent so much time trying to figure out what I was going to watch, mm-hmm. and then I finally settled on something. I found it on. Hulu, Ooh. believe it or not, a horror thriller film from this year, 2021. Now, I had spent I had spent an hour trying to figure out something to watch. I actually uh, may or may not have started four movies. <laughs> I can't do that. And bailed immediately. God damn. I, those four movies will remain nameless and will be a mystery until the sun boils the sea. But the movie that I did commit to, I probably should have bailed as well. <laughs> as this is Phobias from 2021. Has anyone heard of Phobias? Negative. Nope. Great. I'm doing my job. I mentioned it when it was screening somewhere. <laughs> so, no, I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a horror anthology that was released in um in march i think it went straight to hulu i didn't hear anything about it i mean apparently uh, it was mentioned on this very show so <laughs> thank you so much for bringing it to our attention Oxana. 
Um, all right. Here's what I think happens in this movie. There is a government agency that has kidnapped people and they're doing tests on them and they're testing their fears. These fears may or may not have happened. I don't really know. But they break it up into five short films and I think they get worse. <laughs> That's usually the, the nature of now, it. Now, the, the face of this movie, the star of the movie, and co-producer is Macy Gray. Oh, Macy what? Gray is the big name in this movie. The second is Leonardo Nam. Leonardo Nam plays the fake Elon Musk oh. in the uh, that terrible show that I didn't. Westworld. Oh wait, is that not him? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, he's in Westworld. He's looking it up, I think, right now. And Wait a minute. Is he not in that show I thought he was in? Whoa, dude. Oh, I don't think he was in that show I thought he was in. What show did you think he was in? That show about cryptocurrency. Startup. Oh, they, yeah. Startup. Was he in Startup? I thought he was in Startup. <laughs> dude, he wasn't in Startup. <laughs> 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 I thought it was the guy in Startup. He was in one episode of Hawaii Five O. Oh well, close. <laughs> and apparently, there was a Steve Aoki uh, documentary. He was also in that. All right, does this change anything for you? Do you like the movie Kinda. more now? Okay. No, I, I liked it. I like it less now. Oh, okay. I thought this guy was cool. <laughs> that was the interesting thing about the movie. Yeah, man. Well, you like anthologies, though. Wait a minute. No, it's definitely that guy. You still got Macy Gray in there, too, so I'm sold. Let me tell you something. Macy Gray is going for it in this thing. So in for most of the movie, she is... Her face, her entire face is in bandages. But you immediately know it's Macy Gray because... <laughs> Macy Gray as Renee? Yes. Ooh, I like that. Um, she, I'm still trying to look at this <laughs> <I can> guy. <laughs> he was a small character in the show. It had to be him, dude. <laughs> I'm going crazy over here, man. Question, does uh, Macy Gray choke or stumble in the movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> Good job, dude. Yes, not him. <laughs> All right, you got any more jokes while Clark's still researching? It's, <laughs> it's not him. They look exactly the same. That is wild. Reach out. Maybe you found his twin. That is wild. All right. Man, this thing. Let me tell you something. So Macy Gray. All right, we're going to spoil this movie. Here's what happened. So essentially, the guy who I thought was in a startup is not a startup. <laughs> he is taking care of his father. His father is uh you know he's he's an older man and he forgets things but this guy gets beat up when he's walking to the store he gets beat up by some uh, good boys oh and the they good call boys and they there. call him little rat face <laughs> oh don't come around God. here you little rat <laughs> you little you're a little rat and then they and then they curb stomp him what and then they say wait hold they really do well they they kick him inside okay. now I, the reason why i say curb stop is because that actual word is used in a second i'll, I'll use that okay oh, hold on but they kick him, and they're like, uh, say it. Say you're a rat. 
He's like, I'm a rat. <laughs> he can't speak. By the way, so much CG fire in this. Oh. <laughs> oh. And see, not not just CG fire, but like CG um, bonfire, e- electricity volts. Oh, like, bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Like animated like cattle or- pro. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it honestly looks like Frankenstein. A rat. It, it's, it's crazy. Gremlins too. Oh man. Yeah. Exactly. It's <laughs> oh, it's wild. So. I don't. I, something happened, and he ends up in this hospital, where this uh, God, the guy who plays the Mad Doctor, he needs to chill out. I'm not sure who it is, but he needs to take a chill pill because it was too much. And then essentially, he's like, "Oh, we'll meet this person," and then this person's like, "I don't want to be here. Here's my story." And then it's and all the names um, make no sense of the shorts. I, I'm not sure what's going on. I paid a little attention. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but You're, there's one where there's the woman, there's a woman. And then we learned that she was the kinder. She was a uh, school teacher for this girl who was trying to kill her because the school teacher was having sex with this girl's father. And then her siblings were in on it. They kidnap her and the kids are just assholes. I mean, they are, and they, let me tell you some foul mouths on these children. Oh, they're like, they said, why don't we just curb stomp her and slit her throat? Oh, damn. So we can't do this, you fucking dumbass. Oh. Why not? Who the fuck cares? Because the neighbors will see you, stupid <laughs> idiot. Good point. Uh, Wait, oh, do you want to hear the name of the shorts? I got them right up here. Yes. So there's hoplophobia. Yeah. Vahopophobia. Robophobia. Outpost 37. <laughs> And aphibophobia? Yeah, I don't know what's happening. It sounds like they're trying to be cute yeah. with all of them. It's a fear of something. <laughs> <laughs> We've but, narrowed it down to that. But everything changes with the Macy Gray segment. So the Macy Gray segment, this is this is this is the closer of the movie. Okay. Outside of the terrible tie together they did, which was awful. Um, but the Macy Gray one. Macy Gray is a captain of industry. But as we learn, she's just the daughter of the boss. Oh, aphibophobia, the fear of loathing, the fear of loathing of teenagers. Yeah, it makes sense because they tried to kill her. Fear or loathing of, I'm sorry, I can't read. All right, I'll, I'll come back in a moment with more. Thank you so much. So Macy Gray is having um, a retreat at her house to try to solve some problems in her business sector. Um, now, when I say retreat, I just mean that she got these three people over there at her house and they're trying to brainstorm. While they're <laughs> brainstorming, they're having Chinese food and drinking red wine that has been poisoned by Macy Gray. Macy Gray then um, turns into uh, Buffalo Bill. Wait, really? So then we learn. Now, when I say that, it's not nearly as interesting as that sounds. Okay. <laughs> because uh, the reason. W- we had only been introduced to Macy Gray with her bandages on and our main guy, the guy not from startup mm-hmm. ask her, <laughs> did they do that to your face? She's like, no child. I did it myself. Oh God. <laughs> here's my story. They don't really say that, but you might, they might as well say, here's my story. Then they go to her story where she cuts her face up. Cause it, it, then they, they show her body taking a shower. They show her body taking a shower. <laughs> they show her taking a shower and, and she's got like 
Frankenstein monster stitches all over her body. Um, her fingers have been sewn back on. And we don't know why she killed these people. She puts Visqueen all over this very nice home. But there's no butchering. There's no blood. There's nothing that happens. And then it just cuts back to the hospital and then they escape. And that was the final? Yeah. Okay, so aphibophobia is the fear of youth. Then we have atelophobia, the fear of imperfection. Do you think it was that one? Maybe. For her? Then there's robophobia. Yeah, that was the first one. Anxiety disorder, which the sufferer has an irrational fear of robots. Yeah, because the the not startup guy, he uh, got a phone call. From a a robot. From a robot. <laughs> and he was like, no. But what happened is that he was on his little. He was he was doing some Randy nerd shit on the computer, and he had this weird messaging thing. Uh oh. And uh, and it started like, talking, saying like, it started like basically blackmailing him. Oh. <laughs> so I know who you are, and he's like, what do you want, friend? What? Oh, it's like her friend. You. <laughs> yeah, they they don't use verbs. Um. All right. And then they call, and it was a voice, and essentially, and then the robot tried to kill their father. Yeah. So it was an AI or a robot? It was an AI. Okay, I don't think robophobia would work for that. Nothing worked for anything in this movie. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. What, let's see. What is the fear of AI called? I'm sure it's different. Elon Musk disorder. Uh, tech techophobia. No, techophobia. Okay. That's not a real thing. I got technophobia. How about vahope, <laughs> I don't know. The fear of Vahob- driving. Vah- Ooh, vahope. <laughs> I can't do it. Vehophobia. Vehophobia. Fear of driving. Vahobia. And then we have hoplophobia, which means the fear of guns. Oh, was that one? No. Symptoms. Of, uh, wait, this is dumb. Okay, we're, we're done with that. So thumb up, thumb down. Thumb down. Thumb down. Thumb down. Really? Way down. You didn't even enjoy the format? All the way down. Anthologies usually always have like hope around the corner. Babe, love an anthology. Yeah. This one ain't a good one. What, what was the wraparound? Just the doctor? Or was yeah. there no wraparound? Well, the wraparound was like it, it's it's interesting. Now that it's not a traditional wraparound, um, because it's it's essentially not startup guy. Is you really sort of hung ties up on everything together? It really bummed you out. That guy wasn't in startup, huh? I let me t- <laughs> I'm flabbergasted. You're like my whole talking point was on that guy. Thought it was him. He lied to you. Really thought it was him. Give you a fake resume. And now I feel bad and I feel racist because they're both Asian. <laughs> but I really thought it was it sounded hey, like him. Hey, uh, the alien documentary, Randy called that guy Louis C.K. So, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't matter what race they are. You can confuse people. Randy, how many stars do you give the alien thing? That's a solid three. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. What about you with this movie? I, I will forget I saw this in three months. So a three. <sighs> One and a half feels mean. <laughs> so do a two. I'll you know, a two, two is I didn't like it. it. Wasn't for me. Maybe, you know, people. Would you recommend it to anybody? No. Well, okay. Not of, you know, maybe they're casual film goers. No. And you're like, you know what? You look like you'd love phobias. I wouldn't recommend this to Macy Gray fans. <laughs> 
And I'll tell you something. She's not a bad actor. Yeah. I like Macy Gray as an actor. I like Macy Gray as a musical artist. To a degree. All right. The cover album was Macy. (laughs) You just just phoned that in, didn't you? Listen to Macy Gray's cover of Creep. Oh, no, really? It's just so sleepy and boring. Oh, okay. Which is just a shame, because that's a great song. Well, I mean, does she bring the I've smoked 50 packs of cigarettes voice to it? Because that might be worth it alone. I like her voice. I do, too. There's a lot of character in it. It sounds like somebody who's really abused... You know, their lungs. She's lived a life. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see her Cribs episode? No, I did not. very good. (laughs) She came across as very horny. (laughs) Nice. No wonder she made an impression. Hey, what are you going to do? All right. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, oh, man. Two days ago on Wednesday, we went out and uh, joined last week's... No. God, now that we're doing two week two episodes a week, I'm having trouble like mapping it out in my head. Three episodes ago, we talked to Kai, and we went out to uh, the return of Super Shangri La. We uh we we brought a good sized group out there, and we met at the Balboa, which I hadn't been to during the whole lockdown. They've erected one of those um, parking lot like street parking uh, food areas, and I'll tell you, it's pretty cool. Um, good weather nice warm summer night rolled in there and uh pretty i think that might be the most crowded i ever saw had some a, good pho yeah we ate pho before normally i don't give a pho but i enjoyed it a lot and um the great the best thing about that restaurant was that we could sit like seven people at that table comfortably and there were two lazy susans in the middle but you had to slum it and uh, drink a heineken no, uh, Oksana saved me there, and she passed me the last Corona they had. Because oh. <laughs> their beer menu was, you either get a Heineken or a Corona. You drank the Heineken? I did. I was in the mood for like a standard beer taste, yeah. I guess. So I, I, tw- I traded him. Yeah. You're talking about the place that's like two doors down from Balboa? Three doors down. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good spot. <laughs> yeah, so we hung out there, rolled. And I'll tell you, Randy, I, w- I wish you were there. It was a great night, like... I know, you know, we've been living a, a rebellious life over here. We're putting on film fest, hanging out with people, getting out there and hanging out with people who hadn't been hanging out with people straight up felt therapeutic. And I think for a lot of people in that theater, it was, uh, I don't know, almost like a religious experience getting back out and watching a movie in a theater and um, treasure of the four crowns did not disappoint. And even uh, as a film programmer, um, Pairing a short with the feature can be really hard. And God, I don't I don't know how much thought Kai put into it, but he crushed it with Cleveland Smith, the Sam Raimi short from 1982. That's pretty much a parody of Indiana Jones, which almost set. I mean, it, it did set the perfect palette for Treasure of the Four Crowns, which is, oh, man, how would I describe that movie? You take James Bond. You put him in a sword and sorcery movie, except the whole movie is like the long drawn out kills from like an Argento movie where it's like it starts and it's almost like Argento kills are interesting because they're kind of like, um, what, what is the franchise that Randy loves? The horror final destination. So in final destination, when you get the Rube Goldberg thing, final destination, 
the best thing about him is, you know, when the first domino falls, you know, like you're in for this like big, uh, this ride, this journey of a kill. In Argento's movies, they're always kind of like surreal or like dreamlike, like in Deep Red or like actually any of his fucking films. And you'll get these really long sequences of like a dude getting scared in a hall and a picture frame falls. And then, you know, he jumps back and falls out a window and survives and gets up and walks out in the street and sees a cat and falls on the ground. A car runs over his head or something. And you're just like, what the fuck just happened? The all of Treasure of the Four Crowns is that. Where we open up with, I think, uh, Clark's new favorite name. I think Jinko Gino was up there. Man, how can you beat this name? Tony Anthony. Tony is, Anthony. Is the actor's real name. That's so good. But Tony Anthony was playing the character J.T. Stryker in this film, <laughs> who was a very Italian-looking uh, James Bond-type character. Who... Was at least 20 years too old for too this old, role? Very, yeah. He looked like he had come out of retirement to explore the castle that he uh, ventures in when we join him in the beginning of this film. Uh, I have an update. Tony Anthony still with us. Oh, really? Born October 16th, 1937. Let's get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, as, now, I call this a sword and sorcery movie because really the second... Oh, man. Is it the second act? The end of act one into act two is them building the adventuring party. Now, the first 15 minutes of this movie 84. are silent. There's no dialogue as we follow our James Bond character breaking into a castle. Now, he breaks in and there's nobody here. There are no guards. It doesn't look like anybody's living there. And um, it really feels kind of like a gothic horror setting, except he instantly starts getting their traps set up and he crawls through a grate and he falls down a tower and there are animals trying to kill him. And if you're a fan of horror literature or like even like tabletop games, um, a lot of the supernatural abilities of vampires are to control animals as they will live in a castle like this. And we had been joking beforehand that uh, it was going to be a vampire. Like w- one of our reviewers from the overlook Every time we're talking about the ecology of a monster or like the mythology, he would always kind of default to vampire. And we were joking about that. Yet in the first 10 minutes of this movie, it was really hard to argue that it wasn't going to be a vampire. So when we're, when we have our James Bond character fighting off vultures, dodging snakes, crawling through a grate, having a portcullis slam behind him only to crawl through another portcullis to have it slam behind him, then find himself in a room with a sarcophagus and ancient uh, suits of medieval armor. It, it was like, are we going to fight a vampire here? Let alone he he throws off the cover of that casket. And uh, well, that's not, it was a sarcophagus. And there's just mist and a glowing light and a corpse with a weirdly shaped like scepter that he figured out the riddle to and took a little key out of. And that triggers like five minutes of just things being shot at this character. Now, originally treasure of the four crowns was supposed to be in 3d, which I think it it was theatrically. We did not watch a 3d version. It didn't even have the anag- uh, anaglyph anaglyphic. And anag- I, I think that's right. The red and blue 3d wasn't even an option here. So we just got a lot of awkward, like Friday, the 13th part three, 
like, ooh, here's a skewer at the audience, which is really awkward when it's not 3D. Yeah. So it's great. Before Kai was like, hey, this is going to be, uh, what do you call it? 3B? Yes. So every time something comes at you, you have to drink your beer. So that was the drinking game he teased on the show. I'll tell you, if you were playing along with that, you'd be dead. Even if you were drinking beer, every fucking opportunity, including a guy's crotch as he fell from the ceiling, everything was jumping out. And um, I fucking, I loved it. So this film was written by Tony Anthony. Oh, really? And this is the last thing he ever did. Well, you can't make a better movie. This is the last movie he acted in. Now, Act 3 turns into a heist film as they break into another castle and have one of the most elaborate plans to get around a trap I think I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, man. Dude, also, like... We're gonna fly. There's So, the, the team that gets built is questionable, too. Now, we have the strong guy who's performing at a circus, and they get him because he's strong guy, although he, he seems 30 years too old for this job. Yeah. He comes along with Trapeze Girl, who, while we were watching the movie, everybody was questioning their relationship. It is split down the middle Yeah, on, I, on people if they think they were a couple or a father-daughter. Yeah, like related in a, a familial sense or if they were getting it on. I thought they were romantically involved. Okay, I think I was there too. Just the way that they never really addressed it, I felt like they had to be romantic. Otherwise, it'd be like, oh, my daughter or... So much to the point where there's a point in the movie where both of these characters are dangling upside down to where I thought we were going to have a Spider-Man 2 kiss. Oh, except so I now if you haven't seen Treasures of the Four Crowns, uh, do yourself a favor. Go watch it right now. It's from 1983. Uh, it's on you if this is a spoiler. Anyway, they foreshadow. They have Chekhov's um, heart attack. Which is, you know, you know it's coming. You just didn't know it was going to happen Foretold to us by a clown named Popo. Po- who became the crowd favorite. Yeah, Popo! Um, now, uh, our old strongman gentleman has a heart attack while strapped to the harness in what was supposed to be a, like, Mission Impossible attempt. And let me tell you something. He milks that heart attack. Oh, he milks it. He, he falls, and it's dramatic. I felt for him. I wanted him to make it. He, he he obviously survived something else that should have been fatal as uh, he had a brutal my nose has been cut in two at some point in my life scar. Well, yeah, he just had he just had the look of I'm an old tired alcoholic. Oh yeah, there you go. That's yeah. fair. He had that big giant red alcoholic's nose. <laughs> His face looked like a catcher's mitt and he had a heart attack while hanging from the ceiling. Plunged to the floor. Now, the problem was that if anybody had touched the floor, alarms would go off because there were lasers everywhere in that room. Uh, He lands, what, an inch above it and hangs there dead. And the trapeze artist repels down so she can close his eyes like they do in movies, yet they're upside down. And you're right. It was very Spider-Man. Yeah. Are we about to make out now? Um, the thing that I failed to mention so far is that there is a cult and, uh, the cult is run by a dude who wears all red in a hoodie and he has a Triforce on his head and, um, they're in the process of like indoctrinating yuppies into their death cult. I'm, I'm actually not sure what the motivation of the cult was, except I was really smitten with their tambourine men who ran throughout the crowd doing 3D tambourine into the face of everybody who was about to join the cult. I 
I'm going to track down a 3D version of this movie because I want to watch that moment. And the climax in this film is worth it alone. But I'll tell you, there's not a boring moment in this movie. I loved it. Uh, two separate castles explored. You get a... Uh, the key is haunted, and when they go to... Oh, the other members of the adventuring party, they pull a drunk guy out of a mountain cabin, and... Uh, oh, that I'm not even sure why this guy was on the team. I wanted more drunk guy. We didn't get enough. I think they were hinting that he could climb anything. Yeah, that was his specialty. But did but that- they all did the same thing. Yeah. And then when it was time to do the big thing, the other guy did it. But I think maybe because the climber had died. No, that's not true. He didn't get his moment. I don't think he did. Yeah. And, and yeah, I was paying attention. I think the climber drunk was just there as a like, he's going to fuck this up for us kind of thing. Now the gymnast girl, she did great. She was great. Uh, maybe the only survivor of the film. And there is the other guy who's the the suited, I'm going to be betray you at some point in this yeah. movie guy, who's part of the team that hired um, JT Stryker to go reclaim. Oh, we haven't even talked about the crowns. So in the movie, the movie barely talks about in the movie. There are three crowns. One of them, after he gets out of the uh, castle with the key, is destroyed and they remove a gem from it. Um, off camera, I guess the fourth crown was already destroyed. So we come in the movie, there's only three crowns. And the last two are located in that cultist. That cult dude has a castle, which has a two-headed statue of what seems to be like a goat rendition of Satan, who has two goat heads, each with a crown, locked up in uh, three different room, laser-protected, spike-loaded, fire encrusted i don't it, it, the craziest room ever it turns into a heist movie in the third act which is strange because it kind of grinds the momentum of the film to a halt but man it's fucking weird i i don't know randy i don't think you would dig this movie yeah definitely I, not. I haven't talked to clark about it but i think he liked it i liked it how what would you give it out of five Uh, three and a half easy yeah i think i'm gonna go like a four here i know it's it's such an oddity it clearly comes out of the american adventure film except um a lot of the italian markets as i i learn more about like why fulci films were the way they were or gento or just like bava and you learn that, like a lot of their productions they really wanted to hit a ton of different markets with their film and you get these kind of like American culture celebrations that are just thrown into a blender. Yeah. And this one, it knows what it's doing. It's just, I I called this movie um, aggressively against exposition as there would be like plot points. Like after the first castle and our character comes back, he denies the like government job where they want him to go get the crowns and he leaves. He says like, fuck you. It's actually kind of a, a great moment. And he leaves the building cut. Now he's in a car with the guy he just told fuck you to. And they're going to pick up somebody to build the team. Yeah. And you're like, wait, did he change his mind? I don't know. Those are the kind of details that we just don't waste time with in this film. I like that guy. Uh, the the guy who is clearly going to be a traitor? Yeah. I did too. Yeah, he was pretty good. I also like the old guy who did the like, let me take off my glasses to see if I heard you correctly. 
Do you remember that moment when he first told him to fuck off? They did this thing where they showed everybody in the room their reaction. Oh, of yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. God. And then the old guy, like, stops, pulls his glasses down, and then, like, does a, a head tilt. Dude, it killed me. Tony Anthony, man. Loved it. And I, I highly recommend, if you're in the Bay Area, or you know what? Are you going to come visit? You going to take a vacation and come visit the beautiful Bay Area? Come uh, look up uh, the Balboa. It was a lot of fun. And um, they got corn dogs on the menu. Oh, and hell I failed yeah. I know. I really wanted one. Brandy, brand new carpet. Brand new carpet. Nice. Also, somebody broke in during the lockdown, yeah. stole two of their Godzilla posters and a ray gun off the wall. <laughs> if uh, if you listen to the show, um, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to do there. I, I kind of want to threaten you, but I also would just like to know. Inside job. Why the ray gun? I that's That was my go-to. You don't, you know, how do you know that ray gun's there? Inside job. You always think inside job. You always, you got to. Do they have cameras in there? We've done four film festivals there, uh, three film festivals there. They ain't got I don't, no I don't think there. they have cameras. They should have had lasers and a two-headed statue. They don't have statue. Wi-Fi in there, dude. They should have had a ghost shooting arrows and uh, vultures flying around trying to kill you. They, they should have took some notes from this movie, um, maybe in the future. Anyway, I loved it. I'm so glad Kai's like back. I, I don't know of any other um, film groups that are doing like the the horror midnight kind of style showings, but Kai's back and um, it was packed. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm ready great. for more. Yeah. All right, Oksana, you got anything uh, before we sign off? Um, I was just going to mention that the 35 mil murder is also back at the Balboa. Oh. Our boy. Yeah, our boys. Maybe we got to have them on. Get Nick and Harry in here. What, what Have they released a schedule? On the 29th, they're going to show The Bride of Frankenstein on 35 millimeter. Oh, baby. And if you're in the Bay Area, you'll know that the other screening of uh, Bride of Frankenstein that was on film was at the Alamo in which they showed the reels out of order. <laughs> really? Yeah, they showed it went reel one, three, two. Oh, no. And I know that because somebody came to me after and they're like, it's weird that that movie had like weird time stuff going on. I'm like, Bride of Frankenstein does not have that. And uh, yeah, they addressed it after. No, we I saw learned. it at the Stanford. Did we? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I was years ago. Yeah, we yeah. were there. Mm-hmm. That was the only time. That was- <laughs> that was the first time I'd seen Bride of Frankenstein. I was like, we saw Bride. This movie is actually a bummer. Mm-hmm. I have no recollection of it. We saw Frankenstein and then Bride of Frankenstein. Bullshit. 100%. Yeah. How long ago? I'm pretty sure we were living in this house. I don't think so. I have no that memory. That may not be true. I have no memory of it. It 100% happened. It was years ago, for sure. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure it was a great time. <laughs> Did I fall right. asleep? What happened? You've been asleep for years. I got amnesia? I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of worried. I uh, Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll go watch it with them, um, Nick and Harry. Also, if you follow them, Harry Nordlinger, uh, f- these are the homies from Cinematic Oblivion, the uh, RIP podcast. Uh, he's been killing it with the comic book stuff. He's an artist. And um, next time we get Jasadi in here, I'll have him talk about it because it blew his mind. It's like David Lynch meets, I don't know, a insert famous comic book person. It's, it's fucking good. Tight. Yeah, I wish I knew the name of it off the top of my head. We'll put it in the show notes. Can you, I'm, I'll write that down right now. All right, so we'll be back on Thursday. Do we know what that episode is yet? 
No, but what do I know? (laughs) It's going to be sick. We'll see you on Thursday, baby. Bye.